Well, hello, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in to Chapel Chimes Podcast. This is a podcast devoted to chiming in on what's going on in our culture, inside the church, and outside the church. Please like, subscribe, and share, and we'd love to hear from you. Now, without further ado, Chapel Chimes. Well, hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of Chapel Chimes, and we are excited today on the topic that we're going to look at here on our podcast, and it is the topic of July the 4th, Independence Day, as we are right on the edge of celebrating, and as we are uh, making these podcasts, we hope to release this, and uh, so we're going to look at that today. We hope that you will subscribe, like, share, reach out, all the things you do with podcasts, and uh, I've been giving out my personal email, probably shouldn't, but I am, and that's Dallas PYTN at yahoo.com. That's Dallas. And then my last name without the vowels, if you want to reach out to us privately that way, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, And we are in the process of just making some podcasts. We've got some ideas coming in the future. Maybe you want to hear a podcast on a certain subject. We'd love to hear from you. But today we want to talk about July the 4th. And I hope it'll be a help to you. We're going to have a quick word of prayer and get into this podcast on Chapel Chimes. Lord, I pray you be with us in these next moments. Help somebody today as we look at this different subject and different title. We ask you to bless in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've devoted this podcast to looking at things in the church and out of the church and in our culture, and we decided to do a podcast. I'm here with my co-host and visitor today, and that is our my son and our assistant pastor, uh, Austin Payton, and Austin, say hello. Hello, hello. And uh, he, he is uh, alongside. I'm also a history teacher. He's our history teacher. So and this is a good a topic for me. History nerd. And here, as we are making these, uh, we are fast approaching Independence Day here in the United States. Yes. And sometimes these are heard around the world, I guess. But um, when we think of July the 4th, we have to go back in time in 1776. On July the 2nd in 1776, the Second Continental Congress um, made a vote Mm -hmm. that we as a nation would break from the motherland uh, and uh, the king, um, Mm -hmm. and we would no longer be in subjection. And then on July the 4th, we... Uh, had a declaration of that independence that was sent, and uh, we call that our nation's birthday. Now, there's a lot more to that. The Constitution isn't ratified until mm. 1789, and then mm. we, we have another uh, skirmish or the War of 1812. I mean, there's a lot more to history. So we celebrate as a nation Independence Day, and that is July the 4th, 1776. And... Uh, if you're an American, you know all about that. Uh, at least you know that date. But sadly, one of the reasons we want to talk about this, this uh, talk about this today in the podcast is though we are living in a day now. Um, what? Tell us, Brother Austin. Well, it's called wokeism. Woke. Called. I don't really know the etymology of what the word woke or where it come from, but it's pretty much a revisionist history. Um, it's pretty much a, uh, a hatred, dislike, reinterpretation of America. It's anti-American. 
It's anti-patriotic. And a lot of times it dresses itself up in the garb of, well, I just want America to live up to her own ideals. But what it is is we want political power and we want cultural clout over everyone else. And uh, it's leftism. It's you know. So so we really what we're what we're living in now is a. Well, we saw the 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 uh, I don't know her name, but the lady who, young lady who turned away from the flag during the, you know. Yeah, a uh, full ceremony on, in the Olympics. A, in the Olympics. In the Olympics, it's a, well, it was Olympic trials, and the girl that got third place. I don't know if it's the shot put or the hammer throw. I forget the event. It was a field event, and uh, which I love the Olympics, but. Um, and, in fact, it's, it's trending right now as we're making this on Twitter, what she said about the national anthem because she said it's the third verse. And a lot of historians are coming out and say, wait a minute, we need to revisit this third verse. Yeah. But there, but, but there is – They need to revisit a lot of history. Right. <laughs> there, there is just – one reason we want to talk about it on the podcast today, there is a full frontal kick. A full frontal assault. It's more than a kick. It's a, it's a barrage. It it's is going a, on for a while. Uh, attack against all things American, mm. all things mm. U- United States of America. Because uh, then we have North America and South America, and we, we say the word America, but the United States. Yes. There has been a full frontal attack. I, I really believe it began, well, it's always been um, in America, but in particular, I think uh, after World War II, uh, I think the communists set in our universities and colleges in the 60s. Mm-hmm. You see the mm-hmm. hippie revolution. And it's just really just extended and just mm-hmm. extended and just extended. Uh, so I think I think it's a very complicated quote unquote civil rights movement has a lot to do with it. Right. I think there's a lot of. Um, but talk to us about July Fourth. Why is July Fourth so special? Why is it under attack? What is going on? Tell us. It's your, special because it's it's one of the most unique political uh, attempts in the history of the world. It's very unique. It was very brave. You know, it was very noble of those men to do that. And uh, one reason why it was so unique is it was a war for independence. It was not a revolution. Now, I know we say American Revolution because they stood up against the government that was, you know, over them. But it was a war for independence from that government. Now, a revolution is when you want to take over the government, right? You want to take over. Our founding fathers had no interest in ruling England or taking over the crown. This is really good. Let's slow down. Let's do this. Now, understand, the folks that listen to this may not have heard that worded that way. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked about this before. I don't think the average person thinks of it because they think of, because I was taught in public school, the American Revolution, which, I mean, you can get into technicalities, but there is a distinct difference. And mm-hmm. please listen, those who are listening, in a revolution mm-hmm. Versus war. independence. Right. Mm-hmm. Independence is the breaking away. Just leave us alone. It's not, mm-hmm. we don't want to take your land or take your stuff. Right. And I don't think that gets emphasized as we think about the, the it, we, we call it Independence Day, you know. Yeah. We um, do. The Revolutionary War, it's called. But Sometimes. Um, Sometimes it's called the War for Independence. War for Independence. Which is a more accurate way to depict it, I think. So that's on purpose, isn't it? That yes. people wanting to equate that. Our founding fathers were revolutionaries, right? Which I know technically. I mean, I know what they're saying, but mm-hmm. but they were. Well, it's a dis. It's a tell it. Ex- unpack that a little bit. Well, I think it's a misunderstanding of the of the thought process of most of those men um, that they were not revolutionaries. 
in the sense that they wanted to take over another country. They were revolutionary in some of their ideas of how to run a country. Got I mean, and by getting away from monarchy. What we mean by revolutionary, what we mean by revolutionary in that regard is that it was unique and never really been done that way before. That kind of revolutionary, not the French Revolution, which was let's you know cut the head off the queen. That was not the idea. The average, the average American don't know that. Before I'm convinced of that. before the Declaration of Independence was drafted and was signed. Many, many, many olive petitions, olive branch petitions, were sent to King George III to back off. And again, excuse we're, our bell. Excuse we're in our a bell. school. Disclaimer. So yeah, we're in a school. We're supposed to switch classes here. Actually, that's the go home. Uh, that's the bell. go home bell. Yeah. So uh, dismissal bell. But um, many olive branch petitions were sent to King George III to give us proper respect. You know, stop taxing the fire out of us to pay for your own wars. You know, we all heard the cry, taxation without representation. What that meant was, is in Parliament in England, in the, uh, you know, in London, we... Who said taxation? Well, it was, it just got thrown all over the place. Right. Um, really, the Massachusetts men in Boston were the real, Samuel Adams and that group uh, were really bothered by it, because the Stamp Act really, um, you know, was men against them, right. Boston in particular. But, you know, uh, Patrick Henry as well. I thought, I thought Patrick Henry made he did In Virginia, he did. He, he drafted resolutions in Virginia that said, you know, listen, they should not have the right to tax us. By the way, Brother Austin loves Patrick Henry, but go ahead. Yes, I got a painting of Patrick Henry hanging right here near us. Anyway, uh, Red Hill, if you've not visited Red Hill, where Patrick Henry's buried, it's a, I recommend it to you. They're near Appomattox in a place called, um, what's the name of that town there? It's near Appomattox. Can't remember the name of the town. It's called Red Hill. If you look it up, it's a national historic site. It's an awesome place. Patrick Henry's buried there. That's where he lived a lot of his life. Um, but I'm gonna get distracted. That's the thing about history. You can go and go and go and get distracted. So the idea was, all right, there's nobody representing Virginia in Parliament. There's no Virginia representation. There's no, you know what I'm saying? There's no Massachusetts representation. Right, absolutely. There's no and here's the thing, there was no United States. If you were from Massachusetts, Massachusetts was your country. Right. As a matter of fact, England was your country, and Massachusetts you were, you was your you colony, were, right. and you became a Massachusetts man. And we don't. We you are subjects of the English. And we live English. in a day where where there are different cultures in the states. You know, we'll still we still will say you know Virginians, and there's a, a senators from Virginia and a governor of Virginia and mm-hmm. Massachusetts. You name you know whatever state it is, and there are different cultures, but it really overlaps a lot more today than it did then. There really was a difference between a Virginia person and a Massachusettsan. There really was a difference between a Georgian and somebody from Vermont. There really was a difference right. in, in, that, in that day between people that lived in those different regions oh, of the so world. There's so much to that. There's travel and all kinds and of There's things. a massive difference. So there was no representation in England, but yet we were getting taxed a lot. Colonies were being overtaxed. So that was because of the seven, they call it the Seven Years' War in England. We call it the French and Indian War. You know, it cost some money. But we fought that war. A lot of our men fought that war with the British, including George Washington, by the way. That's where he got his cut his teeth, military experience. So They trained the guy. They, they trained the guy who turned around, yeah, essentially. So uh, we fought that war, and then we turn around, and they tax us to pay for it, and we helped defend you know, mm-hmm. English territory in North America. So we felt a little done wrong, a lot of us. Now, but a lot of us didn't. There were a lot of loyalists. Some people call that America's first civil war which was loyalists versus patriots. And there was a lot of tension mm-hmm. between people who were pro-England and people pro-Crown and 
and for the crown and people who wanted independence. But this cry of independence came up. It said, listen, we are a distinct people. We are our colonies, each separate colony, these 13 colonies are different and distinct. We should, you know, put our money where our mouth is and make that official. That's what the Declaration of Independence was. It was, listen, this king is not listening to us. We're a distinct culture. Most of us were born here on this continent. We're a distinct nation, a distinct, well, actually, the, the idea of a one nation wasn't even in their head. But we're distinct colonies. Let's unite together. We all have this idea of being separate colonies from England. Let's unite together, make ourselves the United States, and let's stand up to the most powerful empire in the world. Of course, Jefferson or uh, Franklin, Benjamin Franklin, who was a signer of that document from Pennsylvania, he made one of the most famous statements because this is this kind of puts it in mind the bravery and why you should celebrate uh, July Fourth. He said, "By signing this, we're either going to all hang together or we're all going to hang separately. In other <laughs> words, we got to come together and stick together, or you know we're going to hang separately if we yeah. don't hang together." Yeah. And so it was. Listen, Virginia can't take on England even though Virginia was massive then. Massachusetts can't take on England. Georgia can't do it. South Carolina can't do it. But if we have but some if sort we, of confederation. Yeah, if we come together, right. we may be able to do something about this. And let's come together and see what happens. And, of course, they, there was already skirmishes and, and battles coming on. In 1775, some skirmishes had already taken place between, between some of the militiamen in Massachusetts and England. There was already fighting going on, so they said, you know what, if we fight them disjointed, if we deal with England separately, they're just going to pick us off. But if we can come together, we'll be able to do something about that. But why did the and the question that we have to ask is why did they come together? What did they share? Right? What did a Georgian and a South Carolinian and a Virginian and a Pennsylvanian, what did they share? And what they shared was this love of civil liberty, of personal freedom of the opportunity to be represented in government, to live underneath a pure, rightful representation apart from tyranny, and to be truly free. And it's the love of liberty is the reason why we should celebrate July 4th. Oh, man, that's great. Now, there's a lot of questions that come up um, when we think about I mean, I've always loved July 4th since I was a little kid. Of course, I loved it for the silly reasons that most people do, and that's the food and the fireworks. Uh, it, it, I mean, it's just it's our national holiday, of course. I mean, uh, it's out of school. It's mid- I always think of it being the middle of summer. I mean, just the practical reasons. How would you not love it? But here we are now in 2021, and, you know, I was alive. I was eight years old when— we celebrated. It was huge in seventeen in, in 1976. Yeah, uh, the United States was 200 years old, right? Yes. Yes. And it was huge. I mean, they had vehicles. Bi- the bicentennial, they call the it. The right? bicentennial. Yeah. I mean, the money, everything. I mean, we really. I mean, as a boy, I thought, man, America, we are awesome. I'm proud to be proud to be American. Yeah. Now here we are, this many years mm-hmm. later. Now. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's happened? Well, there's been revisionist history. And what revisionist history is, let's retell history from a modern political lens. Now, a lot of people want to read history through their own lens. For instance, we will judge people that lived in 1776 
by our own moral standards today. Now, moral standards never change, but cultural standards do in the way you look at certain things. And so we'll look at them and say, for instance, of course, we know the hot-button topic is slavery. You know, and automatically every single person that owned slaves was, was racist. That's just an automatic, uh, you know, goes without saying. It's a little bit more complicated than that. And the, the attempt to sweep with a broad brush, so this is just the way it is. America was built upon oppression. America was built, you know, it's an empire. It was built upon that. And we came here and stole the land from the Native Americans. And then we came here and we enslaved, you know, we enslaved the uh, races in Africa, the, the, the uh, African races, and enslave and slave and oppress and oppress. But that really is not as clear-cut as you may think. And so when you begin to actually look at history, you see that America was a unique attempt at political and civil liberty based upon the principles of virtue and of justice and of righteousness. And we see that, for instance, uh, we came here, they say, and we stole the land, we oppressed the Native Americans. What they don't tell you is that the Native Americans were living under the conquest ethic. And the conquest ethic was pretty much what Alexander the Great lived under. If you can take the land by force, it's yours. Who lives under that? In the 1700s, no one in Europe was living under the conquest ethic. Right. So they're living under the conquest ethic. So the, the Sioux tribe had taken it from the Shawnee tribe, which had taken it from the— and no one talks about how they were killing themselves and fighting amongst themselves. Right. Not all of them, but many of them were. Right. And not every single American that came wanted to just steal the land out from under them. Many of them wanted to work alongside the Native American, and many of them did. That's why we celebrate Thanksgiving. Last time I checked at Thanksgiving, the first one there, you know, that we talk about with the pilgrims was a joint celebration between mm -hmm. we agreed together, said you teach us how to farm and we'll give you this and we'll, we'll work together. Let's quit living by the conquest ethic. That in itself is unique. Right. Two different peoples that never met before. But see, we, we look at everything by the oppression lens, and that's the Marxist view of history, that everything in history can be read by an economic lens. And, and by the way, let me say this. We're not saying everything that, they did was right. That everything about America right. is perfect either. Exactly. I mean, we're not saying, in fact, we would be, as Christians, one of the first ones to say, wait a minute. You had religious persecution. Mm -hmm. You had, uh, there's a lot. Many it's, came for God, for religious liberty, but many came for gold. Many came for new economic opportunities. Many yeah, came for the wrong reasons. A, it's not right. a pristine thing. And, no. And most preachers spend a lot of time uh, calling out especially if you look back in history, and it, it, even in modern history. But, but my, I guess as a, at my age or where I'm at, and I'm, of course, your dad, but, you know, I grew up under, you, you don't, because you don't remember in your lifetime, Harvest, since you were born, a, a, an America where everybody was just like, tick, now it's like you're almost apologetic. Now, it's almost a division. I mean, there's still people that love America. There's still mm -hmm. people who hear this and say, you know, God bless America, land that I love. Yeah. But but I think even in the last few years, it's almost people, you, and you hit it, revisionist history. Because, you know, I, were, I was, we talked about George Washington on a recent podcast, and, and I was raised up, you know, George Washington never told a lie. Well, now it's like not only did he not tell a lie, he was the worst person to ever walk. You know, yeah. Christopher Columbus, for example, we sang the song in public school, by the way. Mm -hmm. You know, he sailed, uh, in 1492, he sailed the ocean blue. I thought of Christopher Columbus as a hero. Now, I'm not naive enough as an adult to know that Christopher Columbus was not was was perfect, but there has been a seismic shift 
And, you know, Ben Franklin was the, the logo of the 76ers. Philadelphia was, you know, that was their basketball team, and, and they had Ben Franklin. And, and, and you thought about these brilliant men. Thomas Jefferson was a hero. Well, every, in fact, everybody. Now, somebody would say to me, well, that was pie in the sky. We've, we've, we've been enlightened. But that's yeah. not necessarily the case because no, those men were imperfect before no, 1976. No, here's the thing. They automatically think that we think that they're all perfect and they did everything right. And in order to have a statue, in order to have a commemoration of someone in history, you know, you must think they're perfect then. No, that's not true. But these people accomplished things that had never been accomplished before, and they did it in this part of the world. They're part of our history. America had not been landed on. For 400-some years, we believe that Leif Erikson and a group of Vikings actually land on North America in the year 1000. Columbus lands here in 1492. That was an amazing thing that he did. Now, he didn't know where in the world he was, and there's some funny stories about that. But he was an amazing explorer who accomplished some, some amazing feats. That's what we are commemorating. We're not commemorating every single thing he ever possibly did. For instance, people will, and I know this is a hot-button uh, topic, People will get rid of the statues of even Confederates, of people from the Civil War. They'll get rid of these commemorate. Those people are not being commemorated because they were perfect, because we think everything they did were right. We're commemorating them because it's part of our history. They fought for, for a cause they believed in. So let's talk about that. Let's discuss it, and let's see. Mm. But the, the attempt, have a discussion, the attempt to shut down all discussion the attempt to shut down all discussion, the attempt to, to vice grip history, you must look at it through our lens, is, I mean, it's against the American way of freedom of, spree, of speech, of freedom of discussion. And so a statue of Washington should stay up. Let's talk about how those men dealt with slavery and was an issue. It was an issue, mm-hmm. and it was a problem. Jefferson, and it's complicated. Jefferson said it's the tiger we have by the tail. If we let it go, it's going to turn around and get us. If we keep on a hold of it, it's going to get us too. But it's so, shocking to me. Why not have that discussion? Right. It's shocking to me. I mean, I don't want to interrupt you, but I'll interrupt you. It's shocking to me, though, in 2021 that we are still talking about slavery. Yes. That's shocking to me. It is shocking. I mean, and I'll tell you this. When I was a kid, we did not talk about it as much as, as, as my adult life. Now, what does that tell you? Exactly. It's There's been an agenda. Re- it's There's been, an agenda. It's been, There's no doubt about that. It's been Ray. It's Juneteenth nonsense, which is just a foolish right. thing. I mean, it's not even the right date. And to understand the Emancipation Proclamation, no one, ta- no one wants to talk about these things in their actual political context. Right. That's neither right. here nor there. The fact is, America was a unique thing. Slavery was across the globe. Right. was across the globe. People enslaved people. More than just the African races, by the way, were enslaved. Oh, yeah. 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 It's complicated. It's complicated. And I think people are starting. I've, I've seen some things recently where people are starting to say, wait a minute. It's not that easy. This is Oh, a no, lot no. Yes, bigger. we must say this. There has been among adults and parents throughout our country, they have risen up, they've met together, and they've said this critical race theory being taught in our schools, this anti-American stuff being taught in our schools, it's not right. It's got to go. I want my children to have a patriotic education. That has happened in America in the past half a year. That's happening. It's happening right now as we speak. Yeah, it's, They've it, made a lot of people angry because here's the thing. Like you said, there are still a lot of patriots out there. But why are there patriots out there? Because they understand that what America did in 1776 and uniting together and declaring independence and what they did, which is even more amazing than the Declaration of Independence, we should celebrate this as well, in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights in 1789 and thereafter in the, in the early 1790s, what they did with this new nation, 
this amazing, it had never been done before, to have this, this judicial branch, this legislative branch, this executive branch, and this system that we had of representation of local government, um, this love of virtue and of righteousness and of education, and this founding of a new society, the most unique and successful society in the history of the world, and I'm not a believer, you know, in, in this whole American exceptional exceptionalism thing and, and all that stuff. But I do believe that America is exceptional because of the principles. So the difference between that we talked about the difference in revolution. The French Revolution was founded upon was founded not upon principles, but upon power. The lower classes wanted power, right? Now if you read if you look at America through that power lens, you're gonna get all mixed up. But the American war for independence was based upon Principles, right? Here's what I want to I want to talk, say this because I want to switch gears. Those principles still matter, by the way. America, because I do believe in in American exceptionalism, and here's what here's what I believe by that. America, and you just hit on this, and you know if you've ever watched the movie Gladiator, you know there's a conversation, and I know that's that's a that's one of my favorite all time movies, but the the emperor looks at Maximus and says Rome was an idea. America, at its very core, it's very. I'm talking about its core. I'm not talking about. I'm talking about if you peel everything away, bigger than a constitution. All everything is an outcropping of an idea. America is an idea, and the idea is freedom. And the idea is the that mankind, man, individual man, not just not just a collective group. And that's a big difference than being identified by your race or by your, you know, former country, but being in, in, identified as an individual. America is an idea, and that idea is freedom and liberty and living a life that way. And what happens is, is when men, when mankind starts to hold those ideas, no matter what your race, no matter what your background, no matter who you are, male or female, whatever it may be, and obviously we've had our issues all the way through history battling all those things, but that you are you are inherently free from your creator, and we see yes. this in yes. the right. in Declaration of Independence. Certain unalienable rights from nature, nature's God hath taught us. Now think about that for a moment. Now that's a big statement. It's an idea, yeah. and what happens is, is because of that idea, a man, in theory, woman, whatever, can come to America, mm-hmm. and the idea makes them, they can become exceptional here. They do not have to well, be... This is where I'll pipe in, if you don't mind. Sure. America is English. Yes. Now, this is a weird juxtaposition, because we fought England for our liberty. But England taught us these ideas. That's right. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, Russell Crowe's movie, where he stars in The Gladiator. There's another movie called Robin Hood, a really realistic take on Robin Hood that Russell, Russell Crowe Crow stars in. <laughs> And he makes the statement in that movie what you're say. that America loved. And he, they look at Russell Crowe, you're there, a Robin Longstride, and they say, you would have the king give every Englishman a castle. And he, and he says, says, no, every Englishman's home is his castle. And we love that. And we love that's, that. That's totally American. That's the American way. That's the American so, way. And it goes back to the Magna Carta. It goes back to the early days of, of representation, government in England, of parliament. And that's why mm-hmm. we hold these things so strongly. People say, why does America get so bent out of shape, or, or part of America, listen, we, over the flag? Yeah. And it, the reason is, is because the fl- it is the flag. It's nylon. Yeah. It's what the flag represents in yeah. the sense that 
if every man's home is his castle, then you're yeah. burning the representation of his castle. Right. You're and burning. any man that has any brain or backbone, it's personal. It's his wife. It's his children. It's, it's his, his mother. Yeah. It's his brother. It's, it's his, his right to live. It's his family. Right. And if you cannot be frustrated, aggravated, and stand up for your family, you're no man. Right. Now let me switch gears. Let me switch gears. Go ahead. You got one more thought. Well, I was just going to say the idea that no matter where you're born, you're born free was not exactly what Jefferson meant, even though Jefferson did hold to natural rights. There's a difference between natural rights, you know, and some more, con that was actually more of a, that's actually a classical liberal view. Mm -hmm. Jefferson was actually classical liberal. Not a liberal in the sense today, but a classical liberal. A lot liberal. of people were classical liberals. But I'm more of the Edmund Burke stripe. I'm more of a conservative in my view of rights, that uh, people born in other countries are not born as free as we are unless they're born with this practical system in place that grants us this That's level of political freedom. The practicality behind the system that our founding fathers created that grants us this liberty is very important. And Edmund Burke was the guy in Parliament who said, hey, this is our fault. Yeah. He said, we created this. They're just holding our feet to the fire on what we have taught them about exactly representative right. government, right. about the practicality behind freedom and behind rights. And this, and this has to do with immigration. You know, if you come here to America, it used to be that immigration was followed by, you know, you imbibe Assi the culture. Assimilation. Assimilation. Yeah. If there's no assimilation, there's no liberty. There's no freedom. Now, that's a very conservative view that you that I would probably no, receive I, no, a lot of criticism on. No, 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 no. I I actually agree with that. Um, but no one goes to Egypt and says, "Hey, can we have these pyramids?" Right. Because Egypt says, "No, we built them." So you shouldn't come here and say, "Hey, can we have everything?" Except, "No, we built it." You have to. You have to. You've subject. got to assimilate. You've got to come in under us. Absolutely. Yeah. And you have to become American, which absolutely. you can, by the way. And by the way, through history, a lot easier than you can become Egyptian. Irish, and that's the beauty of the America. Irish become Americans. The right the Italians become yes, Americans. Yes, and the, fought and bled and died and, for. And them. many others. I mean, mm -hmm. there's other nations. I don't want to leave anybody out. But they don't want groups. to anymore. They want to come here and they want to fundamentally change who we are. Yeah, and that's certain, a problem. Certain groups. Now, let me let me let me kind of, and I don't want to go too much longer, but I want to get your thoughts on this. I, I, you and I talked about this a little bit. But there is out now. This is this is switching gears a little bit. It's about July Fourth. It's about celebrating independence. And I and I've, I've wanted to talk about this on the podcast for a while because I I see it, but I don't quite grasp. I, I do well. I, I do grasp it. I just disagree with it. I guess. <laughs> and that is this notion that I'm seeing amongst preachers and churches. There's almost a division or a group. I, I don't. I, I don't have any statistics in front of me. But I see this a lot on social media. There is almost, and I've seen some books about this, where there's almost, an even in church, that we don't need to be patriotic as Christians, that we worship the Lord, which you and I would obviously agree with. Mm -hmm. But there's almost a little bit of an underhanded, sly, like I see people talking about removing the flag. A church shouldn't have a flag in it. A church shouldn't even bring up, you know, sing any, any, anything. Like, think about July 4th celebrations at all ever and I wanted to hear what you had to th we, you know we've not really discussed it very much but I see this on social media and social media's changed things because I didn't realize churches had a problem I didn't realize preachers across the board sometimes had a problem with 
you know, they'll make fun of, of, of if somebody has a flag up in their church. They really go after it. And I've been a little mm-hmm. bit surprised. I think I understand what it's about. And, and I, I think it is that we are churches. We're not American institutions. We are separate from and totally should not lift up the American government over our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Sure. Well, all that I would agree with. Yes. But I don't know of any church that's ever done that. So I'm a little bit... Pipe in on that. Chime in well, on I that. Well, I mean, I think that uh, I think that a, a people that are more political than they are spiritual is an issue, and that goes on to America. Uh, a people that are more uh, they're more they get fired up over the flag, but not fired up over the Bible. Right. They get fired oh, up Jesus. over the flag. You know, if you sing a song and you come to a verse about the exceptional nature of our country, they'll shout and cry and and, and worship, quote unquote. But when you come to the you know a song about the blood of Jesus, they're they're not quite as interested. That is an issue and a problem. Even though I don't think it's as big a problem as people like to let on. But, I mean, I get what you're saying. People may be prone to be more political than they are spiritual, and that's an issue. A Christian should focus on his spiritual life. However, at the same time, the reason that, and there's some wisdom to this, by the way, the reason that people put American flags in their, their places of worship to begin with was to show that, hey, we have the freedom to do this because of this nation, because of this flag. Now, the reason that we that flag's a blessing is because of God, God's providence. God did it all. But that flag was put there not to commemorate everything that America ever did, but to commemorate the fact that, hey, in other countries they can't do this freely like we can. And that's a great thing that we should celebrate. Now, am I again do I think it's wrong to not have a flag in your worship? No. Right. I, I had the privilege of visiting the Independent Presbyterian Church in Savannah, Georgia, which is one of the most beautiful auditoriums at worship places I've ever been in. You know, there's no flag in there. And it's it's a beautiful, perfect, you know, they're not wrong for not having a flag. Right. You know, but you're not necessarily wrong for having one either. Now, these people that are, you know, more interested in Fox News and Donald Trump than they are in their Bibles, that's an issue, of course. That's a separate issue from being a patriot. I'll just say this, I sure am glad that those chaplains, those preachers and pastors that were in this country during the time of the Declaration of Independence put their money where their mouth was and remained loyal and became patriots. Because if it wasn't for the pulpits of America, there would have been no America. Right. And, and I guess I, I'm just, and it's because it's been recent. It's been a recent thing. There is a pastor who is a signer of the Declaration of Independence, by the way, John Witherspoon. Right. And then preacher. you hear about the Black Robe Regiment, right. uh, Mullenberg, all that. I mean, there's a lot yeah, that's been Peter pretty. Mullenberg, the Lutheran pastor who the, the, put the, put, these put the pistols on his pulpit. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, and by the way, the movie Patriot kind of alludes to that in that movie. Yeah, but but right. I, I guess I've just seen that kind of rearing up a lot, and it's almost become, kind of become in vogue to say you're just, uh, uh, you know, you're kind of wonky in your worship, so to speak, if you have a flag or if you have some sort of celebration. I get the criticism. I get it. Well, I do, but I don't because I'm like, you know, well, what's I get where behind they're coming it? from. If, if, if where they're coming from is let's make sure Jesus gets all the glory, then, sure. of course, there's no Christian that don't want Jesus to get glory not over on, George not Washington. On, not unto us, not unto us. But I don't know that it's that noble. And I, and I have no way of proving that, obviously. But Because to me, it just seems like that there is a move amongst preachers and churches to be woke. Just like you said, woke. And so we're going to make this full circle. We started out this podcast talking about being woke, and that's what's hurting July 4th. I'm afraid that preachers and churches have become woke in the sense that we do not want to attribute any, like critical race theory, 
the Civil War, um, you know, taxate, whatever it is, like you said, the Fox News. We don't want to be Fox News, so therefore we're not going to have any sort of celebration or even, even an, a, I don't know, a thankfulness uh, for our nation. And Could be. I'm just, I'm just curious if about that's, that. If that's the case, I disagree with it. Because it, I'm afraid it's just liberal politics versus conservative politics yeah. that have crept into the church so much mm-hmm. that you're going to have divisions in your churches between those who are pro-American and those who are almost anti-American. Yeah. They're hiding under the guise of being mm-hmm. noble and loving the Lord. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the disagreement that you and I would have with people who they, they would love watching you know the, the news shows at night and, and say amen when you wave the flag but, mm-hmm. but hide when you wave the Bible. Well, you, I would disagree. I'm agreeing with you there. But, yeah, right. There's a balance here. Like I just, everything else. I, I started thinking that maybe these people are just they're liberal, woke, communist sympathizers or whatever in their belief of America, and they're doing that in the guise of being spiritual. I don't know if that makes sense. No, that could be the case, and there's no doubt that the the atmosphere has influenced you know churches and has influenced Christianity. This atmosphere of of liberalism, you know, of leftism. There's no doubt that's happened in certain regards. If that's the case, then you because know. I mean, I went to a, I went to a university. The, the, the name of the university is Liberty. Mm-hmm. We're pro. It was obviously a pro-American place. Dr. Falwell was known for being in, in politics, and, and I just and even before when I was a kid, you know, it was talking about seven, 1976. I do not remember it be, ever being an issue in church. Now I don't mean that I'm the end all be all, obviously, but. I just it just seems like to me that this wokeness is not only hurting our country, it is really hurting our churches. No doubt, it's hurting our churches. And no as doubt. we're making this, it's coming off the heels of of the things that have, been, that have went on in the Southern Baptist Convention, and uh, maybe in a couple of weeks we will do one on plagiarism because that seems to be the big. When you topic. have pastors calling people to repent of their whiteness. And yeah, we got trouble. Got trouble. Well, folks, we're so glad that you've tuned in. This went longer than we thought. Celebrate July 4th. Enjoy it. Thank well, God for it. Let's give John Adams' quote here. Yes. Second president of the United States, first vice president um, of the United States, signer of the Declaration of Independence, powerful uh, politician from Massachusetts who said about July 4th, the date will be the most memorable epoch in the history of America, quoting John Adams. I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. He was right. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. That's kind of the half of July 4th that we've forgotten. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade. We've not forgotten this part. With shows, games, sports, guns. You can see where John Adams uh, um, stood on the Second Amendment. Bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other from this time forward forevermore. Illuminations, I'm assuming it's fireworks. I'm assuming, yeah, fireworks, whatever. So he says, but I want to end it on this. John Adams says, don't forget God. Don't forget. Don't forget when you wake up on July 4th, say, God, thank you for allowing me to live in a nation where I have these liberties that I have. Thank you for what you've done. Amen. That's a great way to end it. So enjoy July 4th. And then go shoot some fireworks and eat some hot dogs and and party. Pray to God. Thank God because blessed is that nation whose God is the Lord. We're going to close with prayer. Reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. 
subscribe, like, share, and we're going to ask God to bless. Dear Lord, we ask you to be with us as we close. Help us to bring honor to your name in everything that's done, not only in our country, but personally. Bless, Lord, we pray this podcast in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.